Ever wonder what psychologist moms talk about when we get together? Whether we're consulting one another about a challenging case or one of our own kids, or just leaning on each other when parenting feels hard, because trust me, even when we do this for a living, it's still hard. Joining me each week in these special Thursday shows are two of my closest friends, both moms, both psychologists. They're the people I call when I need a sounding board. These are our unfiltered answers to your parenting questions. We're letting you in on the conversations the three of us usually have behind closed doors. This is Securely Attached, Beyond the Sessions. Welcome, everyone. Joining me again today is the co-founder of our joint practice, Upshur Brand Psychology Group in Westchester, New York, Dr. Emily Upshur. Thank you for being here. Great to be here again. Okay. So the question that we are going to be answering today, Emily, is coming from an expecting mom who's written in and she says, I have a diagnosed anxiety disorder that I've been able to manage for the last several years. However, I just found out that I'm pregnant. While I'm very excited, I'm also apprehensive about the potential for postpartum anxiety or other issues during and after my pregnancy. Is there anything I can do now that might help with this? Thoughts on this? Yeah. Initial thoughts. I mean, I think the first thing, my first reaction is like, I'm so glad you're thinking about this already. Right? Right. You're sort of on top of it. You're thinking about it, which is going to be your biggest protective factor. Right? You're already in line that this could be something on your radar. Um, Something we talk a lot about in our practice is just setting yourself up with the right support systems. So perhaps you've been in treatment in the past in therapy, and that's been helpful. Um, and that's one approach to do. Um, but I think we're also sort of very open to a lot of other support systems. One thing I talk a lot with women about during pregnancy is like postpartum support, right. Mm -hmm. And setting those things up, like potentially a night nurse, if sleep is a real big trigger for your anxiety, thinking through some of the symptoms and what the bigger picture issues are for you and plugging in those holes a little bit to round out a team that might be a little bit more supportive if you're a little bit more vulnerable. It could be therapy, but it could also be a night nurse, you know? So yeah, or a postpartum doula. Like I actually love, like I, you know, I think that there's a time and a place for all kinds of different services, but I think postpartum doulas are often really overlooked as a resource because what I love about postpartum doula is their focus is actually on the mother, not the baby or the mother baby dyad rather than just, I take your baby and I support your baby at night or during the day while you get rest there. I I think that's good too. And I think there's definitely a use case for that for sure. But I think I, especially if someone who's like kind of worried about their own support and their Mm -hmm. own mental health or their own recovery postpartum, like what I think people may not know about postpartum, like one, people might've heard of doulas but they might not have heard of postpartum doulas. Postpartum doulas aren't there for the birth. They're there after to care for the mother or the mother-baby dyad. So the focus is really on like helping support mom with breastfeeding or with taking care of the baby. Like I had a postpartum doula after both of my kids and she would be up at night with the baby, um, but then she would bring... Then when they, whenever my kids would wake up, she'd come in, support me through breastfeeding. And then kind of, she just came at night in my case, some come during the day or come in different times, but 
instead of a night nurse, I had a postpartum doula and I, I could not have been happier with that choice for me, right? It's, you got to kind of figure out how much you want, but I, I, I think that they're lesser known or they're lesser known about postpartum doulas. So that's just something to put on your radar and look at and consider how that might fit into a support system in the postpartum period. Yeah. I mean, I think the most important part that you're touching upon is giving you as the new mother or even as a pregnant mom, you know, expecting mom, the space and the mental space sort of to say like, what do I need? What are my vulnerabilities? What do I think, you know, there's of course our, you know, best laid plans, but what do I think are going to be some of my vulnerabilities? And I love what I like what you're saying about a postpartum duel is they can, they can plug many holes. It's not mm-hmm. just one. It's not so um, myopic, right? It's not so small or narrow. You're able to say, you know what? I really, I really love you to cook me a really healthy meal, you know? Mm-hmm. And that is, you know, a great, that can be really helpful. You know, we talk a lot about physiological vulnerabilities for anxiety is your sleep, you're hungry, you're on, you're a little under the weather, right? As things that are vulnerabilities. And so anything that can sort of attend to those and make those less of a stressor or can really help prevent an anxiety disorder from spinning out and getting bigger. Right. And I think it's important too to remember, like if you are someone who may have already like beyond that anxiety spectrum, one of the things we have to remember about anxiety is like it's a it tends to be related to like an overactive threat response, right? A, a sensitive moving into fight or flight, a hypervigilance or a hyperactivity of that sort of threat or fear response. And one of the things that very naturally and appropriately and sort of biologically happens in pregnancy and in postpartum is there are structural changes to the brain. There are hormonal shifts in our biochemistry that actually importantly for like the survival of our species, uh, we've been designed for, um, you know, a mother's brain to kind of move into a more sensitive threat response for a while, sometimes for as long as like a year postpartum. And so if you have already like a vulnerability to having kind of a high reactive, a high reactivity with your threat response and move into that anxiety or fear or threat space easily, it's going to likely amplify to some degree in pregnancy and or postpartum just from like appropriate biological neuro neurological changes. So knowing that also can help because I think nothing is more frustrating or overwhelming than changes that you can't anticipate, like especially to your anxiety. Like if you know, hey, it's appropriate and typical for me to have a spike in anxiety postpartum, no matter for everybody. But if I already kind of run high on that anxiety spectrum, it could jump up to a really unmanageable level. And so that is why we want to really be mindful of like, like you said, Emily, like what can we do to bring your baseline down before you hit that natural shift in brain and hormone changes that come with the postpartum period so that when that does happen, it doesn't push you up so high that you, you know, things feel really unmanageable. Yeah. I mean, look, we really know that it's a structural biological shift pregnancy. And I don't think we emphasize that enough to be Mm -hmm. honest, right? There's a real biological shift. And so it is not only expected, right, but it's a part of the natural part of the developmental process of this. So I do think like to this, this, this listener's question, 
you know, maybe you were in treatment in the past and it was effective. You know, the good thing is it's the same skill sets, right? It's just sort of warming yourself up to them again. Um, I always recommend having somebody not wait, not wait until you're in crisis, right? So it's Mm -hmm. a great idea to make a connection. Like if you've had a previous therapist, reach out to them again. You don't have to be in weekly therapy, but it's nice to rekindle that relationship. So it's not, I'm in a crisis. I need someone right now. You know, I'm really feeling out of control or I don't feel Mm -hmm. like I have have a man, have a handle on my coping skills or some of my strategies. I think it's a great idea. Even if you just have a few sessions to sort of like remember some of the skills and some of the resources that you have at at your Mm -hmm. disposal. Um, And then that does sort of begin, you know, like we always talk about plugging you into a bigger treatment team. As psychologists, we often are the hub that holds together a treatment team. Mm -hmm. So that's a great first step. We can then put our spiders out, you know, to other resources like psychiatrists or to your point, doulas or lactation consultants or, you know, those types of things. Or your OB. Or your OB, exactly, and collaborate but I, but I do think that as psychologists or mental health professionals, our role is about being a little bit of that hub holder. Um, so I do think it's great if you're worried about it, you're thinking about it, there's no harm in, you know, reaching out um, for some support, even if you're like, I don't know if I need it yet. You know, I yeah. think that it's okay to sort of like kindle, rekindle that rela- those relationships or start a new one in, the, in that regard. Yeah. And so like, even if, so perhaps you had a therapist and you want to reach out to them, or maybe your therapist didn't specialize in maternal mental health. You might want to consider finding somebody who specializes as well. Like there's, if you go to postpartum support international, which is like psi.org and I'll link it in the show notes, but you can enter in your zip code and it will pull up a list of all of the clinical providers that have been trained in perinatal mental health. Yep that have, that are in your area. So you can literally, they have an incredible directory, very robust. And it's a, probably the PSI is like, you know, the gold standard first place to go. If you want to set up your support team or you want to get information on perinatal mood and anxiety disorders, it's, a, and they have tons of free Resources. new moms groups. They have new dads groups. They have groups in different languages. They're like a fantastic resource before you even have a kid you can definitely go there Um, but I think there is something to be said for looking for a support team that has specialized training, unless you have a very, very close relationship with your therapist, it's totally fine to continue working with them. But some therapists might say, you know, this isn't my area Mm -hmm. and either I'll get consultations separately to make sure that I'm supporting you appropriately, or I'm going to refer you to someone who does, Mm -hmm. um, because it's a specialized sort of skill set and training that goes into knowing kind of the nuances of of PMADs for sure. Absolutely. I think, and I do think that, you know, we do have a lot of people that will reach out to us, you know, as specialists in this and as a consult to their therapist, you can stay with your therapist, right? Mm-hmm. But maybe they they reach out to us for a few consultations and we can collaborate with their primary therapists around PMADs or those types of um, things that they might not be as familiar with. In, in in addition, we also support, you know, psychiatry in perinatal mood and anxiety disorders, reproductive psychiatrists are very specialized field. Um, so connecting, you know, remaining with your primary therapist, maybe getting a consultation, but also having, you know, a knowledge that there are people that specialize in the safety of your baby and the safety of your mental health while pregnant with medication is also a great resource to have. Yeah. I mean, I think it's actually important that we say 
because I, I think this might be something that people don't aren't that aware of, but it is safe to take certain medications while you are pregnant for mental health purposes. Like it, and and seeing a reproductive psychiatrist who is specialized in providing medication management to mothers who are pregnant and postpartum safely is an option. A lot of people think, oh my God, I'm pregnant. I have to go off my antidepressant. I have to go off of my medication. I can't, and they just stop. And they're not consulting with the therapist or the, sorry, they're not consulting with a psychiatrist um, to do that. And you know, that actually puts you at much greater risk of developing a perinatal mood and anxiety disorder or postpartum. It's not to say you have to be on your medication during pregnancy, but you want to be working with somebody to help you do that, right? You you don't want to be changing your medication protocol on your own without consultation because it's it, that is very risky. Absolutely. And it's really, it, it does feel really good to have a team that really specializes and knows what they're doing, right? That you can trust their recommendations and their choices and you understand all of the sort of, you know, risk benefit, you know, things as there's a lot of really safe options. Um, and we don't want you to think, oh, there's no options out there, you know, yeah. culture. Yeah. So we covered some of the sort of like higher level clinical support systems. We covered, you know, how you can get you know, if you are on medicine, how you can safely continue to treat medical with medication, anxiety, or other mood disorders while pregnant and postpartum with the help of a psychiatrist. I also recognize that not everybody needs that high of a level of support. And maybe they're they're wanting to think about more like holistic things, more behavioral strategies, things that they can do while pregnant or you know, as you're getting closer to pregnancy or if you're postpartum, um, what can people do, you know, kind of on their own or within their sort of relationships and family and friends and things like that to sort of shore themselves up against like the impact of anxiety? Yeah. I mean, I think like we spoke about in the beginning, there, there are skills that you've probably developed over the course of your life, having an anxiety disorder that you know to be more effective, you know, to be effective for you. So we always, we always want to reemphasize those. I, I call this in parenting, I call it your A game parenting, but it's the same for you. If you have an anxiety disorder, if you know that exercise really helps to modulate your anxiety, we want to make sure that you're prioritizing that, you know, you want to make sure that you're fitting that into your schedule, that that's not slipping by the wayside, that you're getting that in every day, you know, those are the types or sleep, as we talked about earlier. And, and also communication, you know, talking to your partner, you know, this is on my radar. I need to really prioritize some of these coping skills that have helped me. If I, if I fall off the wagon a little, like maybe you could let me know, or if, if I'm spinning out a little in a way that's a little bit, not my norm, you know, recently, you know, that's a great conversation starter in a supportive way to start to do some of those things. So I think it's about being sort of on your A game of self-care in some ways, right? The things that you know to work for you, we really want to make sure those are prioritized. Yeah. And I think too, just like there are certain things that help us cope with anxiety that we want to be aware of the things that help us cope and make sure that we are we are prioritizing those. We also want to think about the things that kind of inhibit coping mm-hmm. because a lot of times when we have anxiety, whether we're aware of it or not, we often will like sort of seek out things or people's behaviors to be kind of like to rescue or turn off our anxiety. Like 
seeking a lot of reassurance or having somebody help you avoid things that you, that make you anxious or, um, like kind of eliciting other people to, to sort of turn off that anxiety for you. We call that like accommodating, you know, um, you know, in, in parenting, when kids have anxiety, we talk a lot about how parents can accommodate their child's anxiety and how that kind of inadvertently ends up not, not intentionally, but like maintaining the anxiety because we keep rescuing them from experiencing the anxiety and they, they, they reduce their tolerance for anxiety or they, they don't build up a greater tolerance for anxiety. So it's kind of counterintuitive, but the treatment for anxiety is not reducing anxiety. It's increasing tolerance for anxiety. And so when we're adults and we have a lot of anxiety, sometimes we pull other people into our lives to accommodate for us as well. And, you know, often if you're a person who's had anxiety your whole life, you may have been a child whose parents got pulled into accommodating a lot and a lot of adults have anxiety may still be having their parents accommodate a lot of their anxiety. So understanding kind of a more, when I say holistic, I don't mean like taking herbal remedies. I'm saying like holistic as in like, look at the whole picture, Mm -hmm. who is involved in the, in the support, um, of your healthy coping, who is involved in the maintenance of your less healthy, healthy coping and really, doing kind of an honest inventory of saying like, am I constantly calling, you know, my friend and asking them to always tell me this is going to be okay. Every time I feel worried, I say, can you make sure that I'm feeling okay? Like, tell me this is going to be all right. Like, or, you know, sort of eliciting a lot of that reassurance. Am I always having my spouse drive me around because I'm nervous to drive? You know, what are the things that we might be avoiding building a tolerance around? That's, this is, you know, sort of regardless of if if it's generalized anxiety or if it's a perinatal anxiety disorder, like postpartum anxiety. But I think oftentimes with anxiety, this is one of the things that we look at to support it kind of more holistically. Can we involve the partner or the friends or the parents in understanding how sometimes when they rescue you from anxiety, they're not actually helping you to learn to cope with and tolerate feeling anxious because anxiety is very uncomfortable, but it's actually, it's safe for you to feel this way. It, it's often a false fire alarm. Yeah. And I mean, I think that's such an important point because I think, you know, honestly, I think pregnancy seems like the exception. People are like, but I'm pregnant. I'm so vulnerable. Like you really should help me more, you know, in some way. Yeah. And so I think it's even more important to keep that at the front of even your, you know, front burner. Like, am I asking too much? I can handle this on my, can I handle this on my own? Mm -hmm. You know, like, and maybe pushing through that. And again, to your point, like raising that tolerance and not sort of being bailed out, even in this like very, very unique, very cool, exceptional phase of your life, right? You can still tolerate it. And so I think the question is, is keeping that at the front of your mind. Like I can do this on my own. Like, let me challenge myself a little, like I can tolerate this. I don't mm-hmm. need to be rescued to your point, um, or, or really helped, you know, and I think that that is a really important other side of that coin to address. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, my thoughts, to this mom is first of all, congratulations <laughs> and give yourself a lot of credit for the fact that you're already thinking about this. I will say, I know how anxiety can sometimes make us worry about this, right? There's a difference between being like, I am forward thinking. I'm 
I'm, you know, being realistic. I'm looking at the big picture. I'm zooming out and taking inventory, right? Versus I am catastrophizing. I am kind of ruminating on the future and all the possible things that could go wrong. Pay attention to the flavor. If you Mm -hmm. are getting stuck in the future and worrying a lot about the future or getting really stuck in the past and ruminating on the past, a very helpful strategy is to try to remind yourself, I say, it's, it's helpful. It's simple. It is not always easy, but to just try to say, oop, I got stuck in the future or oop, I'm getting stuck in the past. Let me bring myself back to right now. Do a quick grounding exercise. Like where am I in this moment? Because right this moment is not, you know, we have facts right now versus in the future. Sometimes we can be like, what if, what if, what if, what if, what if we don't have those facts? They haven't happened yet. So we don't have to you know, it's okay to go to the future, but you don't want to get stuck there. You want to come back to now. I think that's a very helpful thing with anxiety to remember. But I think if you are thinking about the future and you are not in a like catastrophizing sort of hyper obsessive way, just thinking, hey, I want to set myself up for success and I want to kind of anticipate potential pitfalls or challenges that I might have, that's great. And so, and that's going to help you think about a sort of individualized support plan that's going to meet your needs, which I'm a very big fan of. I actually have a mental health checklist. It's a, I should put it in the show notes. I'll link it. It's a free like mental health postpartum checklist. I created it because I was like, we all get these like birth plan checklists or like hospitalist checklists and all these things. We put so much thought into like our birth plan and our, what we're going to bring to the hospital and all this stuff. And then we get home and it's like, there's like, we fall off like a proverbial cliff in support and planning. And so I was like, if parents who are expecting can actually also make sure they're creating a postpartum mental health checklist, like who is the therapist that I might want to have on, 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 on call or, or in, you know, make sure I've already like just reached out and said, Hey, I might want to check in with you. Or do I want to research some reproductive psychiatrists? Or do I want to find a postpartum doula? Or do I want to make sure I'm thinking about what visitors, how I want to handle visitors after I come in the hospital or when I come home from the hospital? Because I always say, like, this is a hard thing too, but like people don't often realize how overwhelming it can be when you first get home and having all these people coming who want to see the baby and see you can be really overstimulating. And so it's a lot easier to open things up later than it is to close down invitations that you've already given. So I always say like, keep it tighter than you think you might need and then be willing to kind of invite people in as you see how you're doing and how you're feeling. All those things are, are things that I, I don't know if we give enough weight to to really supporting parents in advance to be thinking about. So I will definitely put a link to the postpartum, uh, the maternal mental health postpartum checklist that I have in the show notes. Um, this was great. Thank you so much for coming and talking about this. Yeah, I, I love this. It's a It's a really important topic. So glad to be here. Thank you so much for listening. As you can hear, parenting is not one size fits all. It's nuanced and it's complicated. So I really hope that this series where we're answering your questions 
It really helps you to cut through some of the noise and find out what works best for you and your unique child. If you have a burning parenting question, something you're struggling to navigate, or a topic you really want us to shed light on or share research about, we want to know. Go to drsarahbrenn.com forward slash question to send in anything that you want Rebecca, Emily, and me to answer in this new series, Securely Attached Beyond the Sessions. That's drsarahbrenn.com forward slash question. And check back for a brand new Securely Attached next Tuesday. And until then, don't be a stranger.